Welcome back to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. It's Sandy, myself, and Andrew, as always, but we're super excited today because we're finally joined by Kareem. Uh, Kareem, if you've seen him on Twitter before, Kareem Season, he's got his uh, Twitter handle there. Um, he's just one of the best around at breaking down Cardinals prospects right now. Um, he's currently doing a top 30 kind of rundown on his uh on his Twitter page right now. So you can go check that as well. And we'll have that linked in the show notes. Um, but Kareem, thanks for jumping on, man. We really appreciate it. How are you doing today? And let's just, I'll go ahead and like roll off a top question for you. How are you feeling about the Cardinals off season so far? I think it's been a solid off season expected a little more um, in terms of uh, top of the rotation arms. I, I do like the sunny gray move a lot, but I expected maybe two top of the rotation arms, whereas we, we only got one. But other than that, I like a lot of the, you know, under the radar reliever kind of moves. You take a look at what they just did with um, the Andrew Kittredge trade. I like that move a lot. Um, getting Nick Robertson from the Red Sox and the Tyler O'Neill trade, I think he instantly becomes the Cardinals' top relief pitching prospect. So okay. a lot of under the radar moves that I, I like and – uh, overall, the Sunny Gray signing definitely my favorite. But but yeah, <laughs> you're speaking Sandy's language right now. With Sunny Gray being your favorite, Maybe so excited. <laughs> we'll definitely get into like top prospects, and that's what people are really interested in. But like, let's go into the Robertson side of things first. Like, what about him makes him the top relief prospect in the Cardinal system right now? And what do you think about his chances making the opening day roster? Yeah, so Robertson, he took major strides last year. The Red Sox completely um, switched up his mechanics and arsenal. He added a sweeper, and uh, it's already become one of the top stuff. Uh, Stuff-wise, it's just an elite offering already, which is just incredible to see, you know, just the development of that just in one year. And mm. he also, with the, with the mechanic tweaks, he also added uh, a couple miles an hour to his heater, so, yeah, very huge. And this is a guy, um, obviously, out of the, the sweeper, but he was known as uh, having a really good changeup, too. So having three potential plus pitches out of the bullpen, uh, I think that intrigues me a lot. And looking forward to see uh, what 2024 has in store for him as he continues to develop. That's awesome. Yeah, I was pretty excited about that move. Um, you know, getting moving on from O'Neal, like, really tough because we all thought he was going to be a mainstay. Um, but now that we're talking about the bullpen, I was going to save this till a little later. Is there anybody you think um, is kind of an under the radar guy that could make the opening day roster with a strong spring uh, out in the bullpen at least? I think the two guys that jump off, I just talked about Nick Robertson yeah. and uh, Ryan Fernandez. I think both of those guys watch out. Um, I, I know you wrote about recently Leonardo Taveras. That would yeah. be exciting. He's got electric stuff. Um, yeah. Looking forward to see what he can do in spring training. But other than that, maybe Andre Granillo is a guy towards yeah. the end of the year we could see. But okay. I think it's uh, those two Red Sox guys, I, I feel like they are nice. names to watch. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah, so um, jumping in to, like, our main topics, we wanted to cover, like, five prospects, like, in-depth that we know everyone wants to hear about. So we'll start with Mason Wynn. Um, what do we expect from, from Mason Wynn this season? I know the bat didn't quite come up as we had hoped at the end of the season, yeah. but I'm not too worried about that. But what, what are your thoughts on him and, and how how he's going to project for 2024? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to see what he has. Very athletic guy. Uh, obviously, we know we can, what he can do on the defensive side of the ball. 
Um, offensively, took major strides last year. He had a stretch of a month or two where uh, the, the power surge was just there, and we didn't see that towards the end of the year at the major leagues, but uh, I think he has what it takes offensively to be potentially a league average hitter. Um, so we'll see We'll see how that goes. Defensively, uh, I wrote on my write-up for him, he's not a finished product. Uh, during his time in the majors, he, he, he didn't particularly – he, he wasn't consistent. Uh, the, the defensive metrics, although a, a small sample, weren't particularly great. Um, but, but yeah, just I, I think when the, the Cardinals are setting up for when to be the starting shortstop, and yeah, I, I think he's going to get every opportunity to be that for them this year. A question that I think people, and rightfully so, have going in the spring training is, will Wynn be able to stick as the starting shortstop from the spring through the end of the season? Obviously, injuries are a thing, so no one can predict that. But do you have any question marks about Wynn's ability to stay the starting shortstop? Or is there a chance in your mind that it gets to May or June and he may need to take a trip down to Memphis to work on some things? Or do you feel like this is the year where he's able to take on that role as a, at least a mostly everyday player? I mean, there's there's certainly some concern. We haven't uh, obviously it was a small sample in the majors, but uh, I think he had around a 30 WRC plus, if I can remember correctly. And the defense also, as I said, it wasn't particularly special. I know he made a couple really really special plays, but um, so yeah, uh, there is some risk. I think when, when you look at the major league roster, Mason Wynn might have the highest variance out of any yeah. you know player on the the team. So. With that, could we see him uh, potentially going down to Memphis after a rough uh, start of the season? Yeah, I, I wouldn't put that. Um, I, I could definitely see that happening, but I'm also uh, pretty bullish on his ability to hit. I, we just have to see it consistently, and um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he obviously is the top prospect in the Cardinals system right now. He's your top prospect for them, and most outlets have that as well. Obviously, there's a range of outcomes with every prospect, but what do you think is the ceiling of a Mason win? Because I think that's something that when you see a top prospect, people instantly think superstar, which maybe that's in your range of outcomes for him. But what do you think is the ceiling of a Mason win? And maybe what's more of your like, this is what I hope for, expect out of him, and I'd be content with that as a prospect or as like a finished product. Yeah. So, I mean, the ceiling is as high as you can get, really, because uh, uh, the, the defense, it's got the potential to be. The, he's got the potential to be the best defensive shortstop in baseball, point point blank. Period. So, j just having yeah. that, and offensively, I I, I think he can be. Uh, I see him more of as an average uh, offensive contributor uh, at his uh, maybe a little bit higher than average, maybe 110, 115 WRC plus. But but yeah, the the defense is what's gonna you know, provide most of his value and obviously base running too. Um, he's just a all around, he's just a dynamic athlete and you just, you can see it when you, when you just watch him. Mm. Awesome. Well, I think uh, we're going to move on from Mason Wynn now. The next guy we wanted to talk about is Tink Hentz. Uh, a lot of discussion around him. He's been included in a lot of mock trade packages. People have been coming up with this year. Uh, and I think it was kind of disappointing this year 
in terms of what we actually got from Tank. There were some injury concerns, some question marks there. Um, but the big thing is, how can he handle this increased workload, right? Because two years ago, he was super productive, but it was a really small sample because they weren't giving him a ton of innings. It felt like he'd go three and then he was out. Um, and so this year, it felt like when they ramped up a bit, he had some struggles. And now I've heard people saying he might be a bullpen arm. What do you think about all that? Is that all just noise? Is he still the be- like the best pitching prospect in the system? Where do you land on all that? Yeah, I, I thought for me, there wasn't really much, much of a discussion for best top best pitching prospect in the system. I know, you know, a lot of people bring up Roby. I think Tink Tink is the clear number one starting pitching prospect in the system. So yeah, he had an up and down year, really rough August, uh, as I talked about in my write-up. But yeah, I I think, I I heard that he had a finger issue during that time. I'm not 100% sure, but if that's the case, you know, that, that would make sense for the August. His command just wasn't there. And yeah. hence, he's always been a guy that could command the ball. I, I, I think prior to last year, I, I said he had the best command in the Cardinal system. And I still think when he's on, he can be that. But, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Could it, could, it be, could it have been a workload thing in August, you know, later in the year, potentially? Uh, could it also be a finger issue? That's what I've heard. I don't know, uh, TBD, but I mean, Tink Hens's stuff is electric. I think, yeah, I still think he has the potential to be uh, a front of the rotation starter. Huge. Okay. So front of the road, that was, uh, that was one of the questions. So we'll, we'll come into that too. Is like, what do you think of his ceiling? But what do you, what are you hoping to see from Tink Hens in 2024 that would encourage you in his continued progress? I'm, I'm guessing we're going to pump the brakes on him being in St. Louis this year. Um, unless maybe you see potential of him being utilized in the bullpen, but what do you want to see from Tink Hens this year that would keep your optimism in him as a top pitching prospect? Yeah, I would just say the consistency, the consistency with the command, uh, as I just said, August was a really rough month for him, and he wasn't able to command the ball. If if hence his command is on, he's he's going to pitch well. Okay, that's the first thing. And the second thing, continue to build up the workload. He was at around eight, 80 pitches this year. I think if he can get to that hundred, uh, you know, plateau usually, I think that would be good to see. But other than that, that's that's what I got. I'm I'm curious uh, your thoughts on the idea of the Cardinals potentially using a guy like Tink Hens or honestly any other starting pitching prospects out of the bullpen. Obviously, I feel like they've and you've pointed to this earlier. They've shored up a lot of that bullpen depth internally right now. Where I don't really think they need to stri- put Tink Hens in that space or something like that. But if he's just lights out in Double A this year and he's a guy that maybe you don't want to push the rotation yet, but you're coming down the stretch, do you like the idea of using a starting pitcher in a relief role? for part of a season to help the big league club knowing that their long-term future is a starter or are you kind of of the opinion you tend to avoid that i feel like there's a varying varying levels of opinion the cardinals did that really well in the early 2010s with a lot of their top pitching prospects starting on the bullpen found rotation roles later how do you feel about that kind of method or is that something you would avoid with someone like tink i think particularly for hens i'd i'd like to I'd, i'd like them not to do that just because yeah. Uh, you take a look at his workload each year, how he's built up. I just like him to get his starting pitching or starting pitcher innings, you know, for 2024 and could continue to build on 2025. Uh, we can see him have that full workload as a major league, uh, starting pitcher and, you know, spring training 2025, potentially get a shot at the rotation. 
yeah, I'm really excited to see what Hens has in store for 2024. But the guy I'm most excited about, and I think between the three of us on here, we're probably most excited about is our friend of the podcast, Victor Scott II. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a homer, but he is by far my favorite prospect they've had in a while, partially because of how exciting he is. But personally, I feel like his floor as a player is something that you can bet on pretty easily. And then the upside is just icing on the cake at this point. So what did you see from Scott during his rise in 2023 and what makes him so special as a prospect? I mean, I mean, his speed's just fantastic. And you take a look, obviously he, he led the minor leagues in stolen bases, but what he's able to do defensively with his speed, just getting the balls, um, whether it's behind him or in front of him, he, he just does it all. And uh, just, just very excited about him. Uh, offensively, he's continued to take strides. Um, in college, he didn't make, he made below average contact so far uh in pro ball he's continued to get better at that and yeah just just very excited about him um uh, and the, the power is also something that you know I, I i heard that um on your podcast he was he was talking about um how he was looking to um add some strength over the off season and uh in, in his college days he hit the ball a little harder and i still think that's I still think I could see him tapping into a little more power, mm-hmm. even with this more contact-based approach that he's, you know, gone with in pro ball so far. Yeah. So I, I maybe a lot of us are jumping the gun a little bit on it, but what do you think uh, appropriate ETA is for Scott in uh, St. Louis? Obviously, again, the Cardinals have a lot of different outfielders that can play in center field, so there's no need to rush him. But I mean, he if he comes out with a strong spring training, is there anything he could show you that would make you confident that he could start opening day, or is that something where you're like, you know what? Sure, maybe he could, but the best thing for his development long term is to start in Memphis in 2024 and see what happens from there. Yeah, I I I think he should probably stay in AAA to start the year, just continue to develop, see what he has offensively. Um, uh, Tommy Edmonds looking like the center fielder right now. Um, I don't know. Uh, like we were talking about with Mason Wynn before, could Mason Wynn have a you know tough first couple months of the year? And you know Victor Scott's tearing it down in AAA, and you know they they make the switch with Tommy Edmonds back to short and call up Victor Scott. I, that's something I could see. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you know sometime in twenty twenty uh 2024 we see victor scott in center field um but i i i don't think it'll be at the you know very start of the regular season out of spring training yeah yeah so um in the event that like tommy edmund his injury is like worse than the the front office is letting on because that's i feel like that's definitely possible yeah. or mason win struggles and he has to 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 play shortstop for a little bit do you think uh, that role would, in center field would fall to Dylan Carlson or Lars Newpar, or do you think Victor Scott could have a chance um, at the opening day roster, especially if, um, if say, um, he, he has a really good spring? I think Dylan Carlson will probably get that shot first. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
<clears throat> something that I uh, I think I found really interesting from Fangrass Zips projections this year was a lot of like the comparable outcomes for different players. And this has been talked about in different places already, but I was curious your thoughts on it because I think this is maybe a comp that I've seen debated the most. But one of the like comparable outcomes for a Victor Scott was D Strange Gordon, at least in terms of an offensive profile. Um, and when I initially when I heard that, I was pretty like, ah, really? Like, it could be better than that. And then I thought about it a little bit. I was like, I, I'll, at least offensively, that makes sense. I think I still expect more than that. So kind of similar to our win question, what do you think is the ceiling of a Victor Scott? Like, what is the 90th percentile outcome as a prospect for him? And then again, what is more of your expectation as a player for him? Yeah, I think when you're looking at like a 80th percentile outcome, I think you're looking at like a 300 hitter. Uh, one one fifteen WRC plus, um, but more than likely, I think he's going to be in that ninety to uh, one hundred range, uh, similar to like a Harrison Bader. Probably gets it done a little different, but just in terms of overall offensive value, I think something in, similar to that. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's a super valuable player still. Bader was very, very valuable to the Cardinals for a long time. And I think people so often underestimate how important defense is. But anybody who watched the 2023 Cardinals should never do that again because it was just tragic <laughs> what happened on the field. Um, we're going to move into two more guys uh, just a little bit, you know, preface before this. These guys both came over the same midseason trade, Roby and Jay-Z. Um, honestly, Mo Masterclass, just have to say, I can't believe he got both those guys for, I mean, literally a rental, Montgomery and Stratton. So that's unbelievable. But Thomas Sejazi, he's a guy who came over. He has good numbers all through the minors. He's hit everywhere he's been. And he got to he got to St. Louis, or I guess, you know, Springfield, and he just mashed. It was unbelievable. He ended up winning the Texas League MVP. Seriously, fantastic season from him. What do you expect from him in 2024? He's already had that breakout prospect season. I think there's a chance we see him on some top 100 lists at some point soon. He's climbed the like the eyes of baseball are on him now. So how does he, you know, how do you think he will respond to all of that in 2024? Will he keep getting better or do you think he's like pretty much at a ceiling right now? Yeah, I mean, Sejasi's like a high character guy. Um I um he won the Texas Rangers True Ranger award. Uh, which which is given to the minor league player who best exemplifies the organization's core values. Uh, I talked about this in a podcast before, but I just wanted to bring it back up. And uh, so, yeah, he's just like a perfect fit for the Cardinals organization. And like what he was able to do at his time, you know, before and even after like um, the trade, it's just remarkable. Triple um, uh, A, uh, he, he didn't perform exceptionally well, but um we also have to understand that this is a 21 year old kid, you know? So already being at triple a and, you know, doing what he has at every level in the minor leagues, it's just super impressive. And yeah, I, I think he's a legit prospect. Um, and if, if you're looking at the top, if there's one guy in the Cardinals top five uh, prospects that I, you know, is just going to be a major league, player it's it's this guy yeah hmm. it feels like he has just an incredibly high floor um he he reminds me like they're obviously not the same player but in terms of like the cardinals already had a ton of infield depth and then brendan donovan appeared 
And it was a guy that I knew nothing about before he reached the big league level. And all of a sudden it's like, great, they have another established infielder. That's kind of how it felt with Sajazi coming over. It's like they already have all this infield depth. We already have the problem of how are you going to play Donovan and Wynn and Gorman. And now Sajazi arrives in this trade and it's like all of a sudden, wow, this is just another guy who's going to contribute at some point. Um, but that's such an area of surplus. Do you think there's a chance the Cardinals end up moving on from him? I know a lot of people would be like really bummed. It'd be really tough to see him leave because that's a guy walking out the door who, like you said, fits the organization well. He's very talented, very high floor. But also, it's an area the Cardinals have a lot, and they certainly have other needs, such as you know the rotation of the bullpen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just get the sense that th this is a guy that they don't want to trade, uh, just from mm -hmm. hearing Mo talk. Um, I, I think we'll see him uh, as a Cardinal, at least to begin with his uh, major league career. I don't, I don't expect him to be trading this offseason or anything like that. Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and especially at this point in the offseason. Like anything can happen, and no name is truly untouchable, especially if something comes up. And I don't. It's just hard. It's hard to say someone can't be traded. But I, I like you. I remember uh, I was reading Derek Gold's chat maybe a month or two ago, and someone asked about Sajc, and Gold went out of his way to be like, Sajc is a guy they are not moving on from right now. And he doesn't. People don't even really say that about Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman. They say like they probably won't. So for someone to come out about a prospect like that makes me think they think very highly of him in terms of positional fit like what do you think is his best defensive position and then does he have the potential to be at least league average at multiple positions like i mean i guess people debate how good brendan donovan is defensively he's position but can he be in that kind of mold or is he best positioned long term at one of the infield spots can you see him in the corners like what do you see as a defensive profile for the jc especially if the cardinals want to get that bat into the lineup yeah, I think I think he could be adequate at second base and third base. So okay, um, and also I, I think Brandon Donovan's a little bit better of an athlete than Thomas Sajacy. But but hey, I mean I, it wouldn't shock me if if they have Thomas Sajacy out there in left field uh, in the future. I'm going to be honest. Like it just seems yeah. like a Cardinals kind of thing to do. Yeah, we just had Jeff Jones on recently, and he was talking about how he expects the JC kind of be that guy they put everywhere in spring, first base, left field, right field, second base, third base, shortstop, figure out what works. And that encouraged me a lot because if they if they see his bat being that good that they need to just figure out where he can play, that's a prospect we want to see. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll move on to, to Takoa Roby. Um, he came over in the Rangers package because there were some uncertainties about his health, but um, he came over was pretty good in double A. Um, his fall league performance wasn't as great uh, in a small sample size, but like, do you, do you see anything to be concerned about with that? Um, and what do you where do you think he ends up uh, this this season? As far as the fall, fall league goes, um, there was very little coverage of it. I I don't want to go out my way and you know speculate. Like what what went wrong and you know I, I don't have his data from the fall league or anything like that so it's hard to really you know talk about that but but just speaking on uh Tacoa Roby he's he's a guy that's got lively stuff um four seamer is in the mid 90s uh about 17 inches of induced vertical break which is above average um and you know the the big thing with him is just that hammer curveball in the in the low 80s it's just a beautiful pitch um, and then he's also got a couple other complimentary pitches, a changeup that's in the low 80s and a slider um, in the mid 80s. And um, that's an offering he had added uh, this past season. And uh, I think it's something he could, you know, continue to implement uh, it, 
it's a pretty good pitch when you just look at the metrics alone. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing him uptick the usage of that. You know, it was his first year using it, and I think he's just going to get continue to get more comfortable with it. So having the, the big four-seamer, the hammer curveball, and, you know, a couple other complimentary pitches, I, I think he's he's a stud. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely has a really high ceiling. I can't wait to see what he's capable of. Again, I just can't believe the Cardinals brought over both Sejazi and Roby in one deal. And like at the time, they, they came over and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. No, this is awesome. Unbelievable return. As good as Montgomery was for the Rangers, I'm sure they'd do the deal 10 out of 10 times because it helped them win a World Series. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just so cool. One thing about Roby, though, and one reason that I heard from people that, that allowed him to be traded from Texas was the injury concerns. Is there anything you can tell us about that? He came over, was hurt at the time, came back and actually pitched pretty well in a couple starts with Springfield, as we've talked about. Um, but again, there's there's some concern there, some injury stuff. I believe it was a shoulder, but correct me if I'm wrong, it might have been an elbow. Um, what does that mean for his future? Does that lower his ceiling significantly at all? Yeah, so Roby missed the end of 2021 due to an elbow strain. And this year he was out with a shoulder injury. So... I definitely think it's a concern when you're talking about two arm injuries like that in the past three years, but one healthy, I mean, this is a guy that's got electric stuff and not only does he have the stuff, but he also commands the zone pretty well, or at least controls it. You know, he doesn't walk too many hitters and I think that's huge. Awesome. Uh, one more quick follow-up here. So you said earlier that Hens is your clear top guy, and I yeah. would agree with that. I think Hens has the best stuff in the system. But if you had to rank these three prospects, I think Roby's your number two, but if it was Roby, Graceffo, and Jerpy, how would you rank those guys uh, one through three? Roby, one. Yeah. Uh, Graceffo to Jerpy three. Interesting. Okay. Cause I know like, hey. like Kyle, Kyle Reese is like super high on Jerpy. Um, and so I wonder, we'll probably touch on him later in the show, but what makes you put Graceffo over Jerpy there? I think it's just, uh, he, he throws in the mid nineties. Uh, I think the whole arsenal we're talking about Graceffo. Uh, I'm a lot higher on Graceffo than most people. It seems like, okay. cause he, he had a down year, especially towards the end of the year. He had, you know, issues commanding the strike zone. But I mean, I just feel like with Graceffo, you've got a guy that's got four um, average or better offerings and we've seen the control be there. So I think with a healthier 2024, we could, you know, see him go back to uh, what he's done in the past. Basically, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, and that's interesting because you look back last off season, Graceffo was a guy that, Mozeliak name dropped multiple times as a guy that they don't really want to move and they're really excited about. So it is interesting how quickly that opinions change publicly on him and maybe a strong beginning of 2024 changes a lot of that for people. Um, when you, you mentioned like Tink Hentz, Tako Roby, Gordon Graceffo, the stuff those three guys have, and you think about the Cardinals' lack of uh, pitching, like developed pitching talent over the last few years, do you think that that, that dry spell they've had over the last however many years is coming to an end with names like that, plus all these other arms in the system right now? Or do you think big picture wise, they still have a long way to go in terms of revamping their internal pitching development? TBD on, on the first part. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll just have to see these guys contribute at the major league level. We haven't seen that yet. Obviously you yeah. take a look at Matthew Libertor, 
wasn't very successful in his time in the major leagues. And he was prized as, you know, one of the better pitching prospects in baseball. Um, Thompson a little better, but I mean, the Cardinals weren't confident enough in giving him a rotation spot. So I think that, you know, speaks volumes as well. So yeah, I think it's just to be determined. We'll have to see in the next couple of years. I think there's a lot uh, that needs to happen in terms of uh, improving this pitching development. Um, we heard earlier in the offseason about bringing like a shine bloom type or something like that. And I'm just here. I'm just hearing crickets now. I, I don't think I've heard anything on that front uh, about adding someone to uh, to um, to revamp the pitching development in the organization. I haven't heard anything since then. And Derek Gould mentioned that a couple of times early in the offseason. I'm, I'm just curious to see if that's going to happen or not. Like, yeah. It's yeah, interesting so, too, because um, Mo, Mo even talked about just the, and Andrew, you got after like that was, yeah. that was rumored. And then Mo commented on it. Like he wouldn't comment on Heim Bloom specifically, but he did say we're looking at names outside the organization. Yeah. And then after Mo made that comment, it's for like cricket. So I'm, I was really optimistic when I heard that, especially Heim Bloom because of all that work he's done at the Rays. And I mean, even though his Red Sox tenure hasn't looked that great, that farm system's incredible. So getting a name like that into the Cardinals organization would be awesome. But whether Time Bloom or someone else, I think it's pretty clear they need some different perspectives in the mix now. Andrew, I don't know where you're going next, but. Oh, yeah, I was just going <clears> to <throat> continue on to the next point. But if, if you had a follow up, you can. You yeah. Can go ahead. Yeah. So um, we obviously we, we talked about a lot about uh, prospects that had had really good 2023 seasons. But like, who are some of the standouts um, and, and guys that made the biggest strides in 2023 that maybe you didn't see coming? Um, didn't see coming. I would say um, Leonardo Taveras, just because uh, he's always someone that's had loud stuff, but he was able to command the zone like really mm. well. I don't know how he did it in one off season, uh, but uh, he he's a guy that's um, mid mid to high nineties fastball with plus ride and very good breaking pull as well, and um, the command strides from his previous years to 2023, it was significant. So I think that's one guy that comes to my mind that just, I didn't really expect to just break out. And yeah, like his season ended, unfortunately, to a PED suspension. Um, so yeah, looking forward to see uh, where he's, I, I would assume he'd start at double A um, just because he added Peoria. He's been at double A before, but something to watch. Uh, he's he's definitely a guy that's got intriguing stuff, and that's what um, yeah. So yeah. one guy I was really excited about his 2023 season. He came back off injury. It was Ian Bedell, and he looked really good. And like I'm an Ian Bedell super fan. So like, <laughs> what made him so much better uh, this year? Like like why was he why was he like? so effective do you think there's a chance that we see him move up one or two levels this year and then what is his eta if you think he's got the chance to make a major league roster i thought i don't think it was a matter of just getting so much better or anything like that he just he was just healthy for the first yeah. time really he was out hmm. a majority of two seasons due to tommy john surgery and we finally got to see what he had in store uh with his 2023 season um Something to note, he did add a sweeper. I know that that pitch is getting a craze, you know, the yeah. past past year, and it was a really good pitch for him, especially against righties. Uh, he has a changeup that was all, also a plus pitch for him. 
and his heater it does sit low 90s but he gets plus ride plus run on it it's very unique and yeah i really like Bedell. i think um he's someone uh that even even if he's not going to be a starting pitcher down the road i think he could potentially be a good bullpen piece if, if he adds a couple mm. ticks to his heater uh sitting 94 95 yeah. uh, which we we have seen in spurts so the, the velocity is definitely there maybe another year um, away from the tommy john surgery uh we can see him throw a little harder but yeah he's he's someone i'm i'm high on and yeah very excited about him Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was a little worried at some point that they might take him in the rule five draft. I was, I was really scared because he didn't get protected. I was like, man, I could have totally seen Tampa Bay going after him and making him into a useful bullpen piece. So it was good that that didn't happen. But one other guy who broke out uh, and he hasn't gotten talked about really at all. He's a relief prospect. So people don't normally talk about these guys uh, was Nunez. It, it felt like he had a great season, made a jump and then had a really nice stretch to the fall league, which I know we don't have the data from that. So we don't want to make it too big a deal. Um, but he was really impressive this year, and it was nice to see him take a big step forward. Where do you think he starts this year? Um, double A, probably. I mean, okay. you take a look at what he did in Peoria last year. I think he pitched uh, about 35-ish innings. And, yeah, uh, yeah he, he was productive there. Wouldn't be shocked to see him. And I, I do think, ultimately, he starts in double A Springfield. Sweet. So we talked to we'll, we'll we'll Oh, yeah. With New yeah. York. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but uh, no. Yeah, we were just we were just talking about Taveras, how he took that leap from uh, a guy that just had zero command control of the strike zone. Nunez was the same. Uh, yeah. he, he walked pretty much close to one hitter every inning uh, prior to this year, and he completely turned that around and you know allowed his stuff to play more. And yeah, sweet. Um, so we just talked a lot about guys who have maybe taken strides in 2023, but obviously we're turning the page into a brand new year. And so maybe some of those guys continue to make major strides, but looking at the Cardinals organization right now, Kareem, who are any guys you are kind of eyeing right now as potential breakout prospects this year? The first name that jumps to my mind, uh, Zach Showalter, yes. um, right-hand pitcher. Yes. He was my favorite piece in that, in that Jack Flaherty trade, um, his fastball is very unique. It's it's from a, a very low slot, but he still gets around 15 inches of uh, induced vertical break, which uh, like his vertical approach angle on the pitch is just unbelievably flat. It's close to negative four, which is elite territory. Um, other than that, I mean, he's got a lot to work on. He currently, he throws like a slider curveball. I, I don't know what to call it. Uh, it's, uh, it's in the mid to high 70s got some sweep to it and he's also got a change up but he, he really needs to work on those secondary offerings i think adding a hard slider would really complement uh his his um uh arsenal uh so just need to continue to see his development but the fastball in itself like just having a fastball 93 94 miles an hour with that unique you know I wouldn't even call it. It's so weird how he throws it. It's like he like pushes the ball. It's it's just you have to see him throw. Uh, it's not like he has like a very lateral release or anything, but he's still able to get such a low um, vertical release on the ball. Uh, and yeah, I think for, for a pitching prospect, Zach Walter is definitely someone to keep an eye on. 
Okay. Like in best case scenario for Zach Schwartz, so like you're expecting him to break out, or at least that's your prediction. Like, is this a breakout as in he can move his name into the conversation of the range of a, obviously some of these guys might be promoted this year or graduate this year, but in the range of one of the top Cardinal pitching prospects, or could he move his name into like the Ian Bedell, Rockich, all those type of that kind of conversation? I think he's got sky's the limit for for Showalter. If I'm being honest, I think he can put himself in the conversation as a top 100 prospect wow. uh, with a strong season. I'm wow. I'm very bullish on him. I think he's got having a fast listen. It, having a fastball that special, it's just it changes everything. And yeah, and that's hmm. that's the thing the Cardinals have struggled to make as a system. Like the Absolutely. fastball has been, and that's why Tink Hens is so special in the Cardinal system because it's like he has that and that electric heater. Uh, one more quick question about Showalter. Sorry, I know Andrew wants to ask about Juan Benchon a little bit, who's another really exciting guy. Um, how long do you see, like, will the Cardinals give him a chance to start? Is he a bullpen guy? Do you think he should be a starter? I think he's going to be given a chance to start. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, he's amazing stuff. Okay, sorry, Andrew, Cho's up. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Cho, obviously, one of the more exciting, like, international prospects that the Cardinals have had. Um, sort of like ever. I'm, I'm big on growing the game internationally. So that's something that that's really exciting for me uh, to see in the yeah. Cardinal system. So um, what do you think uh, Juan Bencho's like outlook is for, for this season and beyond? When do you think we could see him come up and then follow up to that, um, put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, but what are some like the international like free agents that, that you think the Cardinals like uh, amateur free agents that you think the Cardinals uh, should go after? All right. Answering the second question. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't have a clue. I, I, I don't know the international <laughs> market too much. And usually with those guys, uh, it's, it's, it's reported before they even sign where they, where they're going to play. And yeah, yeah, I, I need to do a little more research on that, but going back to your first question, I I'm very excited about Cho. Uh, you take a look at what he's done, um, as a teenager already in the Cardinal system, uh, being a guy that gets to the top end exit velocities, uh, makes a lot of contact, has good swing decisions, is a good athlete. Like he's got all five tools. He the, the game power is what people are gonna say. You know, needs to improve. And I mean, I I, I could see it, but uh, he needs to continue to work on uh, lifting the ball. Hits a lot of ground balls right now, but um, but yeah, he's a very exciting guy to do what he has as a teenager. Uh, having um, the ability to make contact and hit the ball hard. It's very exciting. Uh, one more guy we wanted to ask about who I think is a good breakout candidate for this year. And he's kind of already had his breakout, but he's so young that it could be, you know, we could have another one all over again. Leonardo Bernal is 19 years old. He's already had a full season at single A. That's kind of crazy um, for a catcher yeah. to be like that advanced at that young of an age. And he's hit too. Uh, I know he had like a 750 OPS each of the last three years in the Cardinals system. So what do you think is in store for him in 2024? Is he a guy uh, that could start getting a lot more attention from the national media? I mean, again, it's just, it's insane. I know Ethan Salas over in the Padres system is incredible at such a young age. Um, and Bernal's obviously 19 and not 17, but to be doing what he's doing again, so young, so advanced for a guy um, who's not even 20 yet. Do you think he could have like a huge breakout season coming up? Yeah, I could see it. I mean, you take a look at Bernal, what he did in 2023. Um, the power was down. His yeah. ISO was uh, under 100. Yeah, you, You're going to have to see it better than that. Uh, but what he did really, really well was 
um, hitting the sweet spot of the bat, hitting a lot of line drives. Yeah. And with that, I mean, it, it's impressive. His hit tool just, just continues to improve. Um, and not, not only his hit tool, his um, discipline at the plate as well. He um, walked 15% of the time last year, which is pretty much double what he did in 2022. So seeing him improve in that area, it's just about with him offensively, I, going to need to see him hit for a little more power um, than what he did in 2023. But again, this is a guy 19 years old in a ball and to have 111 WRC plus as a 19 year old in a ball at Palm beach. Like that's, I mean, that's exciting. Yeah. And then also like, yeah. I've heard a lot of good stuff about his defensive ability. What do you think of that? Do you think he has a chance to be like a plus plus defender at the major league level? How is he as a receiver? Cause you know, a catcher, Offense is a smaller part of the equation than it is at most positions. So, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things on the defensive Sweet. front. It's it's hard to scout defense, especially when you're yeah. talking about Palm Beach. There's no video, um, limited access to data, so I, I can't give you a you know, hundred percent you know guarantee he's going to be this elite sure. defender. But I've heard good yeah. things about him defensively. Awesome. Well, Kareem, we're going to jump a little bit into the chat here because we've had various questions flowing in from different people. People are loving the conversation so far. So thank you so much for being in here. Um, we'll probably ask you a little bit specifically about some guys we've talked about already and then mix in some other names. And um, so I want to go to one of our members here first, Talik, who asked about Andre Grunello. Like, what are your thoughts on him as a prospect? And yeah, just overall, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so Grunello, Grunio, I think is actually how you pronounce it. His sliders just remarkable it's it's produced very very good numbers uh throughout his minor league career um especially this past season um the fastball did take a step down this year uh it does sit mid 90s but the induced vertical break isn't particularly great and it's a pitch that really got hammered when he got up to triple a um so i i think uh i think he's a guy that uh, I talked about it a little earlier. I think he could potentially uh, be a guy at the end of the year where we could see him. But, um, but yeah, he's he needs to work on that fastball to get better. That slider's a darn good pitch, though. Sweet. Uh, going into another chat question here. This was posted by the Grave of Einstein. It says, "Question: Is it over for us, Jack Ralston, bros? That's a name I haven't heard uh, in a minute. So, what do you think about that?" I really like Jack Ralston coming out of the draft. Um, he's got a super high release, big curveball. Um, I, I really liked him coming out of the draft, but it, it just hasn't worked out for him. He's dealt with some injury problems. He's also, uh, when he's been healthy, he hasn't commanded the zone particularly well. So I think this is going to be a huge year for him. He definitely has the stuff to be a guy that um, could potentially be a big leaguer, but it, it's just about putting everything together, having the control yeah. in the strike zone. Yeah. So this one's a little bit more big picture and actually comes from Grave of Einstein as well. I, I promise we see the other ones in the chat too. I just thought it was a good follow-up and then we'll come through some of the other ones. But Kareem, when you're breaking down prospects and you're looking um, at grading guys, you're looking at the opinions of other people, how, so his question, and you can take it however you want, is how reliable are 20 to 80 tool grades and specifically the hit power for position players? So maybe a, a better way to frame it for all of us is like, when you're looking at 20 through 80, 80 is obviously top of the top of the line grade. Um, what do you, 
like when you see a 45 grade, when you see a 55 grade, when you give a 55 or a 60 grade, what are you kind of expecting out of those players? Um, and then how, I guess reliable probably isn't fair because every there's variance with every prospect. Uh, but when you kind of w- maybe give some expectations for that, the casual fan about what gr- the grading system really means. Yeah. So 20 to 80, uh, pretty much like a spectrum, uh, a 20 it's bottom of the barrel. Not, not really much of anything. 80 Mason wins throwing arm, for example, it's just an elite, one of the best in majors. Uh, projects kind of uh, projects as one of the best in the majors. And um, but yeah, the question's kind of, I'm not quite understanding the question, to be honest. Yeah. So like, so when you see a 45 grade, what does that mean to you um, about like a hit tool or a power tool? When you see a 60 grade, what does that mean to you about a hit tool or a power tool? 60 would mean maybe like a 280, uh to 300 average uh does that answer your question on no that's that's helpful i think people like when you like especially if you're not diving into prospects a ton you look at the grading scale it's confusing to someone 20 to 80 is not how we grade things um and so i I think if you if uh grave Einstein or other people if you just go and google like 2080 grade scales fan graphs baseball america all of them have good breakdowns on that so you can get some pretty good feel there maybe a different question actually was going to ask on my own with this is what are some when you, again, it probably d- differs for prospects and what you're trying to look at, but what are some of the things when you're looking at hitters specifically that you're trying to find that maybe would be signs of success for a minor leaguer? So whether it's specific stats like a WRC plus or something like that, or when you're like, I remember looking at you and uh, Cardinal Reeks um, in a analytically driven top 10 prospect list from a while back or top 12, whatever it was. Um, there were some different numbers used there, like Z zone contact, all this kind of stuff that the average fan just does not understand. So like, what are the things that you're looking at first with a guy that kind of helps you to figure out, okay, this guy's legit. This guy maybe is just, maybe it's not really sustainable. I'd say there's three key things. Contact quality, which is like the exit velocities, um, the top percentile exit velocity, like the 90th and the max, um, just consistent exit velocity uh, or um, average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, stuff like that. A sweet spot percentage, which is um, balls hit with an 8 to 32 degree sweet spot, 8 to 32 degree launch angle. Um, So, yeah, that kind of stuff for contact quality. Swing decisions, looking at um, O swing percentage, which is how much, which is pretty much chase, like how much a hitter chases. Um, zone swing percentage was how much a hitter swings inside the strike zone. Ideally, you want to see a hitter aggressive inside the strike zone, but layoff pitches outside the strike zone. Uh, and lastly, contact quality, uh, whether it's in zone or out of zone, uh, really depends on the kind of hitter you are. Um, so yeah, hopefully that answers your question. So yeah, you said like one of the things you're really looking for is like sweet spot percentage, which is like kind of attack angle, right? So like how yeah. high you're hitting the ball off the ground. So like, for example, Ellie De La Cruz, if it's, it's a long running joke on this podcast, uh, uh, Ellie De La Cruz should have been an all-star. Wait, I thought Verlander he was an all-star said, snub. Uh, yeah. Ben Verlander said they can't possibly have the all-star game without him. He's so exciting. So like a guy like him who has a terrible attack angle. So he hits the ball into the ground a lot. That's something that you would say, oh, that's a it's a major red flag, I guess. Yes and no. I mean, 
if, if you want to go with someone in the Cardinals organization, what about like a Jordan Walker? Yeah, who, yeah for sure. He had yeah. a lot of concerns like coming throughout the minor league system. People are talking about, oh, Jordan Walker hits a lot of ground balls. Well, he hits them hard. And yeah. if you hit a hard, especially with the shift gone nowadays, if you hit yeah. hard grounders, you're going to get singles at least, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's how I feel. That's fair. Just just had to throw out the Ellie question. Sorry. Yeah. And to, to get some pro Jordan Walker height there, he significantly improved that ground ball rate yeah. as the season went Absolutely. On. So if he gets that hard hit percentage back up and he's making the kind of contact he was when he's hitting the ball on the ground, but he's hitting it line drives and fly balls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am so excited for this season. And he's, I keep, we keep forgetting he's 21. Like, like you just said, Thomas and JC just made triple A as a 21 year old, and that's super young for the age. Jordan Walker is already an, at least an above average hitter in tw- last year as a 20 year old, 21 year old. That's it's nuts. So, um, a couple of questions we've got actually, let's linger there for a second because I know he's not a prospect anymore, but like, what are some of your thoughts on Jordan Walker right now? I just wanted to add something about uh, yeah. contact rates. Um, so yeah, I, sure. I think. I think zone contact is a huge one, future predictor of success. If you're not making contact inside the strike zone, you're probably, that's probably going to be exploited at higher levels in the major leagues. Um, someone that comes to mind in the lower levels that's having trouble uh, with uh, making contact inside the strike zone is, is a guy like Joshua Baez. And, I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's something that concerns me definitely about a profile. Okay. So then like you look at Jordan Walker right now, like what, what are your thoughts about his first season in the major leagues right now? And then what are kind of like your hopes and expectations for him as a player? Cause out of all the prospects we talked about, Jordan Walker's in a class of his own when it comes to the Cardinals. Like we love Mason Wynn. We love Travis or Travis Scott. Wow. Victor Scott. We love a lot of these guys, but they just, they aren't Jordan Walker. What makes him so special and what are your kind of hopes for him in 2024? Yeah. So I mean, this is a pretty easy answer. It's just he hits the ball hard, right? And his ability to get get at the hit the ball 116 miles an hour, that's just not something you see regularly. And um, not only does he hit the ball hard, he makes contact. He makes contact inside the strike zone. Chase rate needs to be a little better. Uh, but, but this is a guy that had a terrific offensive rookie season and you know i feel like not enough people are talking about it i i think this is a guy that's just going to continue to grow offensively um and the sky is the roof for him like i'm pretty sure um fan graphs had they they recently put out like 80th percentile outcomes or something like that and they had jordan walker as like a 140 wrc plus or something like that yeah so yeah when i said that that, i I was just going to say, when I saw that, it's just like, like it's jarring at first, but the body type, the kind of contact he's making, the, what he's doing at age 21, like, it's believable. Like, I just think we're so underrating the potential of Jordan Walker. Like, we see guys come up and a year or two in become superstars. And again, that you don't want to say that's what he's going to be. That's a lot of pressure. But I think we're kind of, like, honestly, I was maybe over, like, giving a little too much pressure internally in my head what Walker should have been in 2023. And now I think maybe it's cooled off a little bit about, oh, he's a really good hitter, but we'll see what happens. I think we're starting to underrate the potential of his ceiling in the near term now that he could be a guy that I, I don't, I don't want to say M, like MVP votes or all-star, but honestly, like he could be in the all-star conversation for his bat this year. I don't know if you would disagree on that, but. I mean, we've seen what the floor is. I don't think he's going to get much 
worse than what he what we saw this past yeah. year offensively. And you know, he's got the potential to be, you know, like a 140 WRC plus guy down the road. And that's just very intriguing. You know, uh defensively, we're gonna have to continue to see him grow. It was a tough year, let's be honest, but he's got the athleticism to do it. He's got a strong arm, um, just needs to continue to put the work in. And I think he could be at least an average ish defender. And, you know, with that offense, he's going to be a very valuable player. Sweet. Um, getting into some chat questions here. A name has been mentioned a couple times, most recently by Jacob. Uh, he asked, what is the best MLB pitch comparison for Pete Hansen? Um, so like, what do you think his ceiling is? <laughs> what are you I got nothing. It's a good one. Do you think? Do you think Pete Hansen could someday be a major leaguer, or do you think the stuff's just not there? This instant reaction, I'm just like, okay, yeah, let's move on. God, I, lo I love Jacob, man. I love him. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think Pete Hansen more than likely he's going to be uh, like depth. Uh, could yeah. start a couple games here and there, maybe bolt. I don't know, really. I'm not overly high on him. The velocity needs to be better. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's what I have. Okay, so maybe maybe a little bit more of an intriguing prospect here. Maybe a little less meme worthy for Kareem. Hey, I don't know. Maybe maybe he pops off. Maybe we, we all look back at this later. It's old freezing cold takes from the four of us. But uh, how do you feel about? So this is a guy that was drafted last year. We'll talk. We have two guys that were in this last year's draft. We really want to touch on here in a second. But first is one one guy won a few rounds later. Travis Honeyman. He's a guy again. It's especially this early on. A lot of fans and. I mean, I'm throw, lumping myself in here too. It's not a lot of tape, not a lot of things you've seen on him outside of pre-draft stuff. But what are kind of thoughts on Trap's Honeyman so far? Yeah, Honeyman was a guy that, you know, I, I love the pick. We, we took him in the second round out of Boston College. This is a guy that's been a productive player, you know, all of his years. Um, you take a look at what he's done at the Cape Cod League with the wooden bats. He... He's just a solid all-around prospect, makes a lot of contact, hit the ball hard. Um, swing decisions are okay, not great. Um, uh, he has ability, the ability to play all three outfield positions, which is very valuable. And, yeah, uh, I really like the Honeyman. I'm looking forward to seeing him this year. Obviously, last year we didn't get to see him. He was he was hurt. Uh, he was out with an injury. And, uh, yeah, this year – Hopefully it's a big year for him. Another guy I want to mention, actually, um, we we took him in the uh, fifth round, Zach Levinson out of Miami, okay. uh, another outfielder. Uh, this is a guy that uh, hits the ball as hard as anyone, really. Uh, coming out of college, he had made very good swing decisions, zone contact. It, it was all there for him, and he's a sneaky good athlete, too. And in his rookie debut at Palm Beach, he hit six home runs, 114 WRC+. Plus which is pretty impressive. And yeah, I think I, I talked about uh, Showalter as a breakout pitcher. I think if I had one name to throw out as a breakout hitter, it's probably Zach Levinson. Okay. Sweet. All right. So we'll, we'll move into another viewer question from Cody um, asking about our first round draft pick. Uh, what do you, what do you think about Chase Davis? It's pretty open-ended. Yeah. Chase Davis coming out of college. He, had he he had un, unbelievable hitting metrics coming out of college. 
stacked he stacked up with um Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford, you know, two of the top three picks last year. Uh and yeah, it was just impressive what he's able to do at Arizona. There are some concerns with his ability to hit with wood bats. Um, he didn't per, per, he he had he had a not so great Cape Cod league. And uh so far in Pro Bowl, his numbers are similar to what they were at the Cape. Um we, we haven't seen the power uh we haven't seen the power um come to fruition like it did in uh in college at his time at Arizona. So that's something to monitor. I still think Chase Davis all around, he's a good athlete. The Cardinals uh, played him exclusively at center field. That goes to show like they believe in this guy's ability to play center. He's an athletic guy. And uh, if there's a guy that I'm just not going to doubt, it's it's Chase Davis. He's a high character guy, um, works hard. Like I, I think he's going to take a major stride next year. Sweet. Um, so at the deadline last year, we've already talked about some of the acquisitions, including Showalter, Roby, Sajazi. Um, the Cardinals acquired three starters who were all like pretty close to the MLB level in Rom, Kloffenstein, and Reversa. Um, could you rank those three? I'm pretty sure Rom is definitely three out of three. Um, but just rank those one through three, uh, see where we line up there, and then how much you think each of them could contribute this year. Yeah, so I think out of those three, I think Reversa is the clear yeah. one. Uh, his fastball uh, isn't great, needs to improve. Um, I, I think Reverse is a guy that uh, – we talked about this with Bedell. I actually think uh, Reversa and Bedell are similar, it, kind of similar. Um, the fastballs are different, but I don't know, both fastball sweeper, changeup pitchers. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I like Reversa. I think his potential – is more so going to be out of the bullpen when he's okay. just when he when he's going to have to throw fastball slider righties and then fastball changeup lefties. I'd like to see him use the cutter more specifically against lefties. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then so I'd have reversal one, and I think I'd have this might be a hot take. I think I'd have Rom too. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, he didn't have a great season. Uh, yeah, for the Cardinals towards the end of that year, but um, I like his ability out of the bullpen, similar to like a reversa, okay. where you know he, he could just go fastball, sweeper, uh, splitter, uh, and, and yeah, like I, stuff ticks up a little bit. I don't know, like, and then lastly, Kloffenstein, I think he's more of a depth piece. Okay. I I don't really see, I don't see bullpen potential in him i could be completely wrong on this i think he's more so a you know a guy that's gonna bounce back from uh triple a majors some, someone like a jack yeah. jake woodford kind of type okay uh, so yeah that's that's what i have on those three interesting yeah that makes a lot of sense and i mean at some point too like i think we all especially when you're a fan of the organization, you want to start bumping guys up a little bit higher than yeah, what they should yeah, be in sure. terms of the ceiling. So every top prospect is a generational prospect. Every <laughs> mid prospect is, should be a top prospect is being underrated. Yeah. So like, you gotta be realistic. A lot of this. And, um, but when we're something that I am really excited about, especially about getting specifically talent into this organization. And this obviously is very early on. So if you don't have a lot of thoughts on this yet, totally makes sense. But 
the Cardinals are going to have the number seven pick in the 2024 draft this coming year. And that's the highest they've picked since the 1990s. It's a chance that they could pick a, a kind of talent that outside of Jordan Walker falling a few years ago, you could argue even Chase Davis, at least ceiling wise. They just don't have access to that kind of talent. Um, in the later the first round, obviously you can hit on stuff later in the draft, but it's just different picking in the top 10. What are, are there any names right now that this early on that you're kind of, you're picking, you're looking at, and you're like, if that guy falls to seven, that could be the perfect fit for the Carlos. Also, I believe the last two years, didn't you, you call their first round pick? Yeah. So, um, okay. If Kareem says it right now, we already go. know who their first round pick's going to be. So <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm going to be honest. I haven't done the research uh, enough yeah. to really know like who's going to be available and stuff. Like, yeah, Chase Burns comes to mind, a guy, you know, that pitched at Tennessee. He's, um, he transferred to Wake Forest and, you know, we all know Wake Forest, they, they know how to develop pitchers yep. and, uh, you know, adding a guy like Chase Burns, that has got, you know, lively stuff, high nineties fastball, really good slider and, you know, commands the zone pretty well for having that, that caliber of stuff. Uh, yeah. I think he's a guy that could take a major stride this year and, you know, potentially be a guy available for the Cardinals, but yeah, other than that, maybe like a Brody Brecht is another one that yes. comes to my mind. Yeah, so he's another guy. Gets up to I'm pretty sure he got up to 104. Yeah, correct? he did. Yeah, yeah he throws and crazy hard. His slider is just crazy good, uh, like 90 to 93 uh, in that range. Wow. I think it's gotten up to 95, honestly. Like he's just got unbelievable stuff. And yeah, those are two names co that come to mind. Obviously, the Cardinals. You know, they could definitely use a guy like that with just top tier stuff in their in their pipeline so that's what comes to my mind in terms of the draft but you just never know uh who's going to be available um who the cardinals really cover with that pick i don't i'm not going to say for sure it's going to be a starting pitcher um really depends like how the board uh like who's available at their pick and stuff like that yeah, and the quick philosophical question with this too, and again, all of it depends on how you see the prospect, all that makes sense. But if, say like it's Chase Burns and it's some other bat that, and they have them pretty equally rated on the board, do you go, like in your opinion, would you go, we need to go get that pitching talent if all things are created equal because of say the pitching? Or I think there's a, been a strong argument over the years that the first round, I mean, college arms seem to be a little bit more dependable and even though all prospects are, super variance um or would you go with the safer quote-unquote pick of a bat that seems to be it seems to be a little bit safer i guess does that make sense to you like all things created equal would you go the arm with the desperate need there or would you go with the safer route of a bat i don't know maybe that's an unfair question but listen i i would go with a pitcher but yeah. i feel like that's just my bias i just want to see elite starting pitching in this yeah. organization but I, I don't know if that would be the smartest decision it's just you know, me selfishly, I want to see a guy throwing 104, you know. That's well, there's, 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 Jordan a Hicks, you know? There's, there's a prospect that's that's coming over from Japan. Uh, well, not a prospect, but, like, he'll be treated as a prospect. Roki Sasaki is going to be uh, posted next offseason, uh, assuming he, he requests it, which um, the clause in his contract that, that, that allowed him to, to come over to, to the majors whenever, um, whenever he wanted, I think. It has been confirmed for him, so that would be super exciting. Just want to throw that out there. 
it'd be awesome if we could get Roki. I just can't see the Cardinals winning that recruiting battle with like everybody else. It's so tough. But um, <laughs> going back to it, we, we can't get Roki, but we already have Kittredge. So we can talk about Kittredge here. Uh, one of the last things we, we mentioned him a bit earlier, but I just want to ask, like, what do you like so much about him? Um, I know I've seen a couple people say some some very exciting stuff about his really high chase rate, um, how he has a really good slider, I'm pretty sure. Um, but he's had some injury concerns. What do you think like the ceiling is? Is he a back end guy in our bullpen? Um, what can he really do for the Cardinals in 2024? Yeah, so Kittredge, he's a sinker slider guy. I think he uh, provides something to the bullpen that the Cardinals didn't have already, like a sinker slider, more command oriented pitcher. Um, but yeah, he sits mid 90s. Uh, his slider is a good pitch for him. Uh, and, you know, the, the stuff the stuff is good, you know, like he he might not strike out an, an excessive amount of hitters, but he's got good stuff. And you know, a lot of people talk about how Kittredge is, you know, has injury concerns. Honestly, I, I wouldn't say that. Like, he he missed a chunk of two seasons due to Tommy John surgery. Exactly. But, but like, I mean, you look at his track record. This isn't a guy that's really getting injured a lot. And, yeah. you know, 2021, he had an all-star campaign where he had 72 innings with a sub-2 ERA. Like, this is a really good pitcher. Like, obviously, hate to see Richie Palacios go – this is a guy that, uh, you know, makes a lot of contact, <laughs> makes a lot of contact, <laughs> made good swing decisions, as we've talked about before uh, on the podcast. Like you like to see hitters with good contact, good uh, play, uh, good swing decisions. And what's interesting about him, he's working at driveline and he upped his max exit velocity up by 7.4 miles an hour. So the Rays definitely saw something here and, you know, who knows? Like Richie Velasco might go off next year. I still think it's a good trade. I, I think Kittredge is a solid reliever. I think he's someone that's going to be pitching in the seventh, eighth inning, and automatically he's going to be, you know, one of the better relief options to go along with the Helsley, Gallegos, and Romero. Yeah, quick on Palacios too, because I, I think we all can agree he showed signs of a guy that could be improving more. And so that fourth outfielder profile probably still the fair one right now, but could he become an everyday player that makes the Cardinals regret things? Sure. But at the same time, they've had so many outfielders. They had a pitching need. And I think we've kind of criticized them for holding on to guys too long. So the, you can't have your cake and eat it too. We can't get mad at them every time they don't hold on to a guy long enough. And then also get mad when they trade a guy to go get a need. Like you, it's just I don't I don't think both can coexist all the time. Obviously, they have to get it right though. When you think of obviously like Newbar, um, I'm sure you'd have Scott above Palacios and Walker. But when you think of like Dylan Carlson and Alec Burleson, is Palacios a guy you would have rather have held on to than a Carlson or a Burleson, or would you have ranked him as probably the sixth option on the outfielder chart in your opinion? I mean, potentially with seeing what he's done with his work at driveline and everything, it's yeah. just very you know. Uh, like, I'm just interested to see what he has, you know, yeah. for, for next season, if the power is legit. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, Dylan Carlson's a guy that the organization, it, it doesn't seem like they, for whatever reason, they want to keep, keep on to him as long as they can. And I don't know. I, I still think there's something with him. He obviously hits lefties well. And, and yeah, I think it is what it is, man. Like, yeah. 
All right. So wrapping up real quick, um, wanted to, to ask a big like overarching question and, and ask you uh, where the Cardinals farm system ranks in all of baseball. Uh, I know we caught some flack last year when Sandy said um, the Cubs have a middling farm Look, system. Everyone you know took a step forward. It's not my fault that they all got better in 2023. I did not see Owen Casey coming. Okay. <laughs> and Ben Brown. What, what the heck is this? Yeah, I would say maybe in that 10 to 15 range. Okay. So the Cardinals have a middling farm system. We got it. <laughs> yeah, they do. Okay. I don't need this well, right now, Andrew. <laughs> to be fair, too, like they did just graduate Jordan Walker, Charles yeah, Rillison, Brendan Donovan, Nolan, Nolan Gorman. Gorman. Like, like when people talk about, oh, the the Braves have the 30th ranked farm system. Like, yeah, that is kind of a problem. But they also just graduated like five everyday players that are like all-star caliber. Yeah, like, it's just like, let's put things into context a little bit too. So Wait, the Braves, like, did they drop all of the angels? Oh no. Oh, I don't know. But like, they were really like, low the past yeah. year. People were frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. It, so. I mean, cause that's just what happens when you have like good talent, it leaves eventually. And it's, it's hard to have a pipeline that always has a bunch of guys in the top hundred. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not realistic. Yeah. Unless you're a Dodgers, you know? So maybe, we, maybe the Cardinals, uh, well, we all would agree. We hope they'd be more like the Dodgers or the Braves or anyone like that. But so just to wrap it all up again, Kareem, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Seriously, we've been looking forward to this for a while. So we're glad we were able to get it to work out again. You can catch Kareem over on Twitter. He puts out great stuff over there. Um, he does some work with uh, prospects live as well. So that's really awesome. And also a quick shout out to Kareem. Uh, C70 does his uh, best car, best Cardinals on Twitter type thing, and Kareem was like one in the top ten of most like Let's liked go. Cardinals. Like it was like he had the highest top ten percentage of ten rated votes, like best on Twitter. So that's super cool. Like Kareem, you're being noticed by people around baseball, guys. If you don't know of him already, go give him a follow on Twitter. Follow his stuff. He's just awesome, and we hope to have you again get on again soon, man. Seriously, we really appreciated this. Thanks for having me. Love what you guys are building here. Um, I caught the the charity live stream. Everything you guys, 2024 is going to be a big year for Newt News Podcast. That's Let's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yes. 2023 was a mess. Not for necessarily for Newt News Podcast. It felt pretty good. But we're hoping that the Cardinals are on the upward trajectory. The system's on the upward trajectory. The podcast is. And we know Kareem is. Uh-oh. Do we have real news? No, no, no. I just played it. Every time you do that, I get so excited. (laughs) Take the passing button away from Andrew. He doesn't get that privilege anymore. Oh, man. Well, guys, again, if you have questions, I'm sure if you just at Kareem on Twitter, he'll be able to try and get to some of that stuff as well. Hopefully, we can have him on again soon as the season gets started. We can actually see some guys in action and get some eyes on some of the improvements they've made this offseason. We'll probably be going live again Wednesday if you want to catch us talk more about latest in the Cardinals offseason. And then we'll also be at winter warm-up this next weekend, so there will be a lot of stuff to talk about from there. So, again, like, subscribe if you haven't already. It helps the podcast out a ton. Looking forward to having Kareem on again soon. And thanks for joining us today on the New News Podcast.